Hello and welcome to the Raw podcast brought to you by the Sun and Echo. I'm your host, James Copley, standing in for Richard Manier today, who is enjoying a well-deserved couple of days holiday. I'm joined by our Sunland writers, Mark Donnelly and Phil Smith. And we'll get straight into it because it has been an action-packed nine days since the last podcast. Sunland have appointed a new head coach in former Bristol City boss, Lee Johnson. Phil, your reaction to the appointment, his first games against Wigan in League One and Oldham in the Papa John's Trophy, and your initial impressions of the man. How long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? You know, when you, I'm sure all fans feel it as well. When you're invested in Sunderland, you operate on a different clock, don't you? Because just things, Sunderland weeks are longer than I think normal people's weeks. Um, I think that my initial impression was when Phil Parkinson first left the club, um, someone mentioned Lee Johnson's name to me, and my first thought was that he would get a championship job. So from that perspective, from that gut reaction, clearly I think it's a good appointment because it's someone who I associate with doing a good job at Bristol City over a period of time. Um, I know there would be some Bristol City fans who said towards the end he may have overachieved or they didn't progress as much. But the job here at Sunland is to, you know, essentially the, the, the medium-term brief at Sunland here is to establish Sunland as a championship club. So win promotion to the championship and stabilise there. And I think we're all pretty realistic about the fact that, you know, you don't see a lot of teams go straight up to the Premier League now when there will be a stabilising job. And so I think Lee Johnson's a good appointment. My other thought, of course, was you have to put it in the context of the installation of Christian Speakman as a sporting director in the new structure. And I was really pleased that when the head coach was was appointed, and a head coach, not a manager, a really important difference. But what I really liked was the fact that you could sort of go backwards and understand why the decision was made. So Sunderland decided what they wanted in terms of the style of play, um, who they wanted to bring in. And they then went out and got a person who, who fitted that brief, more so than some of the other candidates that were named. And that was a really nice kind of thing to have because a lot of times at Sunderland over the past, not just the last two and a half years, sort of the last 10 years, is that you know we've lurched from one direction to the next and there hasn't been a particularly coherent thread. And so hopefully that's the start of that. But of course, you know, it's very difficult at the moment to be definitive in how we assess these things because we still don't know about the takeover. And the takeover is the thing that will ultimately define whether Christian Speakman and Lee Johnson will be successful because, yeah, it's up to these guys to make the right decisions, to, to, to do the right things. It's up to Lee Johnson to, to manage games well, um, to pick the right team. It's up to Christian Speakman to hire the right people. So they have important decisions to make. But as we all know from what we've watched over the last two and a half years and even further back than that, it's all about whether they get the support right from the very top, the support and the stability they need. To, to enable them to make those decisions properly. Um, and at this point, we still just don't know exactly how the takeover is going to break down, what it's going to mean, who's going to be in charge, and whether this really is a new era in which these guys get the support they have. Because, listen, I know Jack Ross, for example, you know, a lot of people have their thoughts on the style of play towards the end. We all have terrible memories of that playoff final against Charlton. It was a really, really difficult time to be a Sunderland supporter. But Jack has done enough over the course of his career to show that he wins matches um, and showed that he had, you know, he was a very smart guy, a good coach who a lot of the players really liked, who for me was not just not given the support he needed, but was actually undermined, particularly towards the end by what was happening in the club around him. And so I'm, I'm excited to see what Lee Johnson can do. In the early couple of games, there's been some 
you know, some obvious concerns, you know, in terms of what you would expect. That transition is not being totally easy, but there have been some positive signs. I like the energy that he's brought. I like the way he's spoken. But at the moment, there's still just this big question mark for me. I, I, I can't come out and say, wow, what an amazingly exciting thing this is. I'm so positive about the future. Um, because, you know, the, we've seen a couple of the pieces of the puzzle fall into place and I'm encouraged by that. But we're still waiting for that big one. And until we get that, it's hard to really feel like we're moving in a, in a new direction. But certainly, I'm impressed by the way both of them spoke and they seem closely aligned. Um, and that's really encouraging because that isn't something we've had in the past. And Mark, what would you say on the, the appointment of Johnson? We were, we were talking before the podcast started about how refreshing his interviews have been and he's used words like philosophies and, and, and stuff like that. What, what do you make of Lee Johnson and your first impressions of the man? Yeah, I think he's spoke well so far and I think he's spoken a way where he's used, as you say, some very kind of good phrases without venturing into that territory where it's a little bit of buzzwords, it's a little bit of, it's a, you know, kind of that traditional manager speak. I think he has spoken with a, a fair bit of substance so far. I think as Phil says, there's there have been some improvements. I mean, if you just even look at the kind of deliveries into the box and the areas they are delivering the ball into the box from, they're getting into much better positions to put those crosses into the box. I think it was nice, certainly on Tuesday night, to see a little bit more personality in some of the players maybe your likes of Jack Diamond you know being a, you know feeling they were able to to run at players to to try and create something it was nice to see a little bit of that and that's something that supporters always want to see in their teams so I think on you know there's obviously areas that that need to be worked on and that's something Lee Johnson alluded to post-match was that kind of transition when teams are going to break and you saw that for Oldham's goal where they were able to break quite quickly and Sunderland, because he wants so many players in the box, then have to track back and it's getting into those positions and, and basically getting bodies between the posts and making sure that space is kind of restricted for the opposition and you know things like that will come with time. We've got to remember before Tuesday, I think he'd had probably one proper session with them. Um, so those things will come, you know, as you say, on, on the pitch, lots of reasons to be to be fairly optimistic, but you've always got to caveat that with this as Phil pointed out, that we still don't know the the full picture. Looking purely at Lee Johnson, I think it's a good step. I think he's a good manager, good coach, um, someone who was who was tipped for championship jobs and had a lot of interest before Sunderland. Um, but in terms of the wider picture, I think you know there is every reason to still have that little bit of caution at the moment. So Sunderland have appointed a sporting director in Christian Speakman, as Phil said, formerly a coach at Derby County and an academy manager at Birmingham City. Phil, what is a sporting director and what will Speakman's remit be and sort of why has his appointment been necessary at Sunderland? Yeah, I think it's a it's a really good question because I think um obviously in the UK, certainly in the third division. It's a little something a little bit different, a little bit unusual. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because here we talk about whether the model's right or not. For example, in Germany, there's no discussion about whether the model's right or not. Every single club in the Bundesliga has a sporting director. It's you know, it's an established position. Essentially, the sporting director is there to bring all components of the football operation together, hopefully in a coherent way. So that goes from the first team to recruitment to the academy, to medical, to performance analysis, to loan management, which obviously at bigger clubs is becoming an increasingly key part of the role. It's the idea that someone is there to try and ensure that all those departments are working towards the same end goal and are working coherently. 
Um, so yeah, it's a it's a really it's a really important role. There's actually I would recommend to people if they know the website Training Ground Guru. Um, maybe I'll tweet it out later. But they have a fantastic interview with Dan Ashworth, who does the same role at Brighton Hove Albion. And actually, Christian Speakman's already spoken about Dan Ashworth and Brighton Hove Albion as a little bit of example for what he wants to try and do. Dan Ashworth gives some really good insight into how he operates and what his role actually is. So I'd, I'd recommend people go and check that out because it'll give them a, a great insight into what Christian Speakman um, wants to do. Why is it important for Sunderland? Well, we've talked over and over and over in the past two and a half years about the short-termism that's defined what's happened at Sunderland. We've seen it happen over a decade, really, how that short-termism has led to bad managerial appointments. Not appointing bad managers, but appointing the wrong manager at the wrong time for the wrong reasons. Very, very poor recruitment. The academy not functioning as well as it should have, not in terms of producing players, but maximising those players for Sutherland's benefit. So the the idea is, is that you will have someone here who is on Wearside permanently, who is fully invested in the club every single day and takes the long-term view about all the decisions across the footballing department um, and how they'll work together for someone's long-term benefit. And that hopefully means that you know you don't have just one person running the football club in terms of the manager who's thinking primarily about you know staying in a job, which is understandable because all managers know the pressure they operate in. And so you take a slightly longer lens where decisions are made that will hopefully be your benefit in a couple of years' time. Now, of course, that all sounds great and straightforward. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. And I, I stress again, the first thing I said when you asked me about Lee Johnson is, you know, this is all great if Christian Speakman is given not just the autonomy he really needs from a day-to-day basis to work and to make the right decisions, but also the investment. Um, you know, we're talking about improving data analysis. We're talking about beefing up the recruitment department, which is hugely necessary. But at this moment, it's it's promises. Um, and obviously, we've been down the road in the last couple of years where things have been said that sound terrific, um, but we haven't really seen a return on it and we haven't seen it come into practice. So I think it's a big step forward for me. Um, I think it's a really important position. And I think it's one that I'm really pleased Sunderland have gone down this route so far. Christian Speakman spoken really well. I think everyone would be aware, and he said it himself, his primary background is in development, not recruitment. So it's not like Roberto Defanti when he came in. It was very much like, you know, the players he knew and his contacts in the game from a recruitment perspective, which turned out to be fairly disastrous. But this is a very different role. Christian Speakman is all about um, player development, player retention. Um, and so it's. I think it's a good move. Yeah, I think it's a really good move. But as I say, you know, I think we're all waiting to see this final piece of the puzzle, if you like. And I know I'm hammering on about it a bit, but, you know, it's it's that that will allow these promises to become something something tangible. I mean, Roberto Defanti's signings of Diakite and Roberge were, were superb signings, Phil, surely? Well, I've, I, I tweeted it last week when someone made the same point that there are only three Sunderland sides who have kept a clean sheet at Goodison Park since World War II. And Valentin Roberge and Modibo Diakite are one of those. So, you know, mock, mock all you like, but that is some <laughs> stat. The kings of Goodison Park. Mark, what was your initial reaction to the appointment of Speakman and where do you think the role of, of sport and director will sort of fit in in terms of, you know, the chief executive officer and the head coach and Jim Rodwell's position? Well, obviously, I think Sunderland made it clear in the statement that they put out when Christian Speakman arrived at the club last week that Jim Rodwell will have a role. It's almost maybe dividing his responsibilities a little bit. Um, you know, you would imagine if you're almost looking at it as a kind of organisational structure you know, family tree style diagram that they would probably almost be on the same level in terms of Speakman will 
look after more of the the footballing side of things, obviously, the academy side of things, that player development. Obviously, he's already spoken about bringing in a head of recruitment to work beneath him, alongside him. And then Rodwell, obviously, will focus on the, the running of the club, the business side of things, which is where his expertise and experiences as lay. Um, so it's almost that executive team, so to speak, that will be running the club on a, a day-to-day and week-to-week basis and giving the club on a football side and a business side some much-needed leadership on Weir side permanently, which is something that, for the best part of the last two years, they've not really had and something that I think anyone realises is a successful club has leaders and has people in charge, in command, whatever phrase you want to use at the club. You know, absentee leaders and, and executives aren't going to work in the long term. So I think that's a good step and hopefully the two of them can work well together and really look after their separate facets of the football club well. Um, and then obviously, as Phil says, we just await the wider picture of how this looks in the, the grand scheme of things. I mean, there's, you know, obviously there's been talk amid all this takeover investment, et cetera, discussions about multi-club ownerships, et cetera. And it would be interesting to see what, you know, if that did happen, what that would mean for Christian Speakman's role in terms of whether he would remain focused on Sunderland or that would be a more holistic thing across some, some other clubs. But obviously that's all ifs and buts at the moment. It's things that have been mooted, but nothing that has become concrete. And until it does, I think everyone will retain that little bit of caution with it because as Phil said, we've been there a lot over the last couple of years. So I think that kind of cautionary stance is the best one at the moment. I suppose it is, as you say, Mark, the million-dollar question. And the one fans are all wondering is where do the appointments of Speakman and Johnson fit in to the ongoing takeover picture? I know it's all ifs and buts, Phil, but do you have any any sort of updates or, or current thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I think it's a, it's a really tricky question to answer in some some respects. I mean, what I, what I would say is, you know, it's, it, it is our understanding um, that these changes and this change of structure is closely associated with what we expect to be a change in the shareholding structure at the club. And, you know, we're also, you know, we also understand from people we've spoken to who were involved in the managerial, well, head coach, I should stress, appointment. Now, clearly, just to be absolutely clear on this, that was Christian Speakman's decision. He has the autonomy to make that decision. But we also understand that, you know, the potential new investor or investors, you know, are kind of involved or at least aware of that process, kept abreast of that process. Um, so, you know, it remains our understanding that, that is still developing and that is still likely to happen. And also that these changes should be seen as, as part of that restructure and that broader change. But as I've said before, and I'll keep saying it, um, you know, we, we don't have the clarity yet. We need to be definitive about what this is going to mean for the day-to-day running of the club. We're beginning to see the pieces of the puzzle fall together in terms of, as I mentioned, Christian Speetman, who has huge autonomy over the footballing side. It looks increasingly likely Jim Rodwell will be staying on in terms of the business side. And um, obviously the statement confirming Speetman's appointment last week hinted at a big role for Rodwell, certainly from a business slash administrative point of view. And also people will be aware that Rodwell was linked with the chief executive vacancy at the AFL, but they've confirmed that's actually going to be Trevor Birch today. So that's another thing that suggests that a role for Rodwell moving forward. And obviously everyone knows that Lee Johnson you know, spoke last week about how the fact that he had had conversations with Stuart Donald as part of the process of him being hired. That's obviously set the cat amongst the pigeons a little bit because people were very much of the hope and desire and because Stuart Donald said it himself that he was planning to fully leave the club. Clearly that's not going to happen in a shareholding perspective. 
it is our understanding that if the takeover goes through, that he will become very much a sleeping partner, and that he's not going to be involved in day-to-day decision makings. But of course, that does seem strange when you've got the new head coach talking about his conversations with him. And there are questions to be answered there. There are absolutely questions to be answered there. The one thing I would say is that Lee Johnson's in a very difficult position because clearly a change in shareholding is a confidential matter. There aren't anyone above him at the club talking about it publicly, which puts him in a difficult position for him to come out and say certain things. Um, but there are definitely questions to be answered because you know the, the view was clear that Madrox were saying that they were going to leave the club. Now, this change of structure, it may change the influence significantly. We don't know for sure. Um, but there are very obviously going to be some answers and somebody somewhere at the club is going to have to come out and talk about this when it all goes through. Who is in charge? Do these people, Charlie Meth and Stuart Donald, do they have a say in the day-to-day running of the club? What is their role going to be? Um, because until we get that, it's going to be very, very difficult to move forward. And it's actually, it's going to make the work of the likes of Lee Johnson and Christian Speakman much more difficult. Because what they need is, you know, they've asked for open-mindedness from supporters and the changes they're going to try and bring. And I believe they'll get that because supporters want to see long-term growth. They want to see long-term stability. And they will absolutely get behind people who are bringing that. But it's going to make the job of these guys much, much, much more difficult if that that clarity and that stability isn't coming from the top. So, you know, sorry, I've given a very long-winded answer again. But, you know, I think we should be seeing these changes as part of that, um, which we still expect to happen. But this is us saying that we have our own concerns and cautions. Um, and we, like everybody else, are waiting to see how this thing actually breaks down before we can get into the kind of um, meat and potatoes of what it actually means for something and, and, and what's going to change and what won't. As you say, Phil, we don't know the, the final picture in terms of the shareholders, but reading between the lines and various different reports, it may end up that Donald Methven and Mad. Uh, sorry, Donald Methven and Satori, so the current Madrox group, would have a, a majority of, of 60% to Louis Dreyfus's 40. Is that a concern for Sunderland fans? I know you've, you've, slight, you've touched on it there, but is that something Sunderland fans should still be worried about? It's, it, it is a, it's a very difficult one, isn't it? I mean, the simple answer to that, of course, is, is yes, and that makes you think that Louis Dreyfus must be a very trusting gentleman. Um, again, we don't know exactly how those that shareholding isn't confirmed, so we have to wait and see in that. Um, and we also, you know, one story is the interesting one, isn't it? Because one story is clearly quite closely associated with Stuart Donald and Charlie Methven in terms of he bought into the club with them. We all know that he tried to um, do a takeover deal at Oxford with them. But in the last couple of years, he's, he has essentially been the sleeping partner, if you like, in some ways. Now, I would stress that the ownership would contest that. They would say that one is very heavily invested, he's very heavily involved, he's put money in, he's put ideas in, etc. But let's be honest, since those early days when he was chanting along in the Roker end and what have you, um, we haven't seen a lot of him and it's very, very clear that his political career in Uruguay has priority. You know, that's, you know, whatever anybody says, that's obvious what's been going on in the last year or so. So I think it's totally understandable that supporters are very surprised and kind of concerned when it's talked about that Sartori and Louis Dreyfus will be taking on the majority and they'll be the new power base at the football club. Um, that seems a little odd when given Sartori's recent record and the fact that he is closely associated with Donald and Methvin. So I can only stress again that, that like everybody else, while I'm encouraged by a lot of what's happened at the club in the last couple of weeks, you know, I, I, there are serious questions to be answered. And if we are going to have this fresh start that people are talking about, and if Johnson and Speakman are going to be given the full support they need, we're going to have to cl- have clarity on these matters at some point because 
yeah, of course, it, of course, it's a concern because we've had two and a half years where the football club's been miles away from where it should be. And just one point I would make as well. Sorry, I'm going down a bit of a rabbit hole here, but you know, we talked about the appointment of Lee Johnson, whether it fits Sunderland, whether it was the right appointment. And people will always have their opinions on who should get these jobs, and they'll have their own favourites who they want to come in. You know, and sure there were plenty of you like me had maybe a little dream that Roy Keane might come back or whatever, whatever it is. But what I would say is, you know, let's also put something in context here. Bristol City, who Lee Johnson just come from, are years ahead of Sunderland, and that's hard to accept. But it's the truth in terms of their data, in terms of their recruitment, in terms of just their clear on-pitch performance. They are years ahead of Sunderland. And so, you know, we need to see that investment that's going to get Sunderland back up to that level. And we've heard Christian Speakman say really good things about that, which is encouraging. But we need to see a commitment from that. And it's very, very hard for supporters to trust in a regime who have failed to deliver that over a period of time. So, yes, of course, there are concerns. That's not being negative. It's not sort of being pessimistic. It's just being realistic about the fact that we've all watched Sunderland over a period of time and we know what's required to turn these really good words and this good intent into something that actually produces long-term change. And so we all need to see exactly what's going to happen with this you know, takeover first. And someone from the club will need to give some clarity on that and allay some concerns and spell out the future, mainly so that these guys who are going to be driving it forward on the day-to-day business in the football sense have the actual space and freedom to go ahead and do that. Amongst all this, Mark, all this takeover chat and managerial change and appointment of sporting directors, Sunderland have a game on Saturday, the first second-place Lincoln City. This feels like a, a big game in, in Lee Johnson's early tenure at Sunderland. Yeah, it's an interesting one because obviously the last time Sunderland went to Lincoln, it very much felt like you were nearing the end of something. And obviously that did end up to be Jack Ross's last game. And it was a really, really disappointing afternoon at Sinsel Bank. This time there's obviously a lot more optimism in the air. And you, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Sunderland play after a little bit more time on the training ground. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, assuming the players have had a day off following the Oldham game, you, you may be talking about an additional two sessions. So Lee Johnson's maybe going to have had three sessions with the players, but it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what he's managed to get into them in that short amount of time. Because as I said before, I think we could see elements of that on Tuesday night in terms of what he wants to do in an attacking sense. So it'll be, be interesting to see where they're at against a, a good, well-disciplined uh, and informed Lincoln team. You know, they absolutely, well, you know, obviously you've got to take it with a pinch of salt and that it was the Pat Johns trophy, but they blew away Shrewsbury on um, Tuesday evening, a team who obviously are under a new manager and keen to impress themselves. So, It'll be a very, very interesting game. They're a good team. They've got some some good players and in Michael Appleton, they've got a very good manager and a very good coach there. Um, but it's a chance for Sunderland to to maybe make a little bit of a statement because, you know, the results of late in certainly in the league haven't been great. Um, it's a chance for them to go to a team who, who are up there at the moment and get a good result. And I think the big thing, um, you know, I'd like to see is, is that, you know, that defence because we've not seen a clean sheet since... Gillingham Ipswich, Ipswich, I think maybe was the last clean sheet in the in the league. So, you know, it would be nice to see that return because you know at the start of the season we were talking about clean sheets every week. So I think that'll be something Lee Johnson will be be keen to see back. And then hopefully at the other end we can see a little bit more um of what he wants to bring to the table and maybe a little bit more from Will Grigg as well, because I think he was promising on Tuesday night and hopefully now he's gonna get a little bit of a run in the side and and maybe start to to show, you know, what that form that prompted something to bring it to the club almost two years ago. 
there's lots to unpack, Phil, for the game against Lincoln in terms of personnel. So McGeady's coming back into the side. There's been good performances from Jack Diamond and, and Anthony Patterson and goal. How do you see Lee Johnson going in to that game against Lincoln? Do you think he might he might do something radical and, and start with a couple of youngsters again and, and send out a message? Or do you think it'll be, you know, kind of much the same as it has been in terms of personnel? Yeah, it's a good question. My my instinct is that there won't be any radical overhaul. I think he went with that settled team on Tuesday night for a reason, which was to try and bed in these principles and these structures. And I think he'll want to stick with that as best as he possibly can because he wants to try and build that familiarity and that stability in terms of what he's trying to do. So I suspect he'll stick with a 4-3-3 system. And I suspect much of the personnel will be the same. I think that midfield three will be the same. I think the shape of the back four will be similar. And goal's a really interesting decision, actually, because you know it, it. You can always tell when head coaches or managers are sort of given kind of platitudes with young players, and you can tell when they're being genuine. And I can tell that he really does genuinely rate Anthony Patterson. Um, and it was interesting that he spoke after the game the other night about how you know you expect all young goalkeepers to be good shot stoppers, but sometimes where they lack is their box management and their authority in the box. And he feels that Patterson actually is really good on that front. So. I have to say I would be surprised if you picked him for such a big league game. And while Patterson made a couple of excellent saves through the game, you know, he maybe could have been could have done better with that old and goal lapse, maybe maybe being very harsh to be fair. Um but I think that would be a big decision and I would be surprised if he made it at this stage, but it's definitely one to watch because I think he has made an impression on him. And the other you know, the other decision where he might do something a bit radical is obviously Jack Diamond. It was really interesting the other night because in the first kind of five, ten minutes of the game, Jack Diamond playing on the right wing was right in front of Johnson and he was getting an earful every 20 seconds about where he needed to be on the pitch, his decision-making. Um, I think Diamond was probably quite happy when the second half came round and he could get over to the other side of the pitch. But um, he was so important to Sunderland the other night because we know because Johnson's already spoken about it. He doesn't want all the possession to be in front of the opposition defence. He wants to get in behind them. And if you play Maguire or McGeady on the left wing, they, we both know they're very, very talented players and they can go past someone one-to-one, but they haven't really got that raw pace. So you need that on the other flank. Um, and Jack Diamond's got that. He can get past players. He can stretch them. So my instinct will be that he probably will play it safe from the beginning um, and possibly get McGeady back in. But I think Diamond, moving forward through this month of December, has picked a really good time to have a good game because Johnson is desperate for that kind of option. He really thinks he needs it to succeed. Um, so that was a hell of a time for Diamond to really stick his hand up and put in a performance like that where, yeah, it wasn't perfect. He's, you know, We all know that through games he's going to give the ball away, he's going to make the odd bad decision. Um, but he's also going to beat people and he's also going to create space. Yeah, it was a really good time for him to stick his hand up. And I would be surprised if it turned into a starting place on Saturday. But he definitely shouldn't, should take a lot of heart from the fact that Johnson's looking forward to work with him. And I do think we're going to see him a lot this month because at the moment, He's kind of the only player who can really do that, certainly until Lyndon Gooch is fit anyway. Cool. Uh, that wraps up another episode of the Raw Podcast. You can find all of our content over at the sunlandecho.com. Please consider taking a subscription out and you can find the podcast on all of our usual podcast places. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Raw and thanks for joining me, Mark and Phil. Mm-hmm.